Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the honor of having Joanne Legande with us. Now, Joanne is the principal of the award-winning John W. Dodd Middle School in Freeport, New York. She led the implementation of a school-wide positive climate framework based on invitational education, an SEL curriculum and daily mindfulness exercises for all students and staff. Be the change you wish to see in the world are the famous words of Mahatma Gandhi that Joanne strives to live by in her professional and personal pursuits. Knowing self-change is the impetus for social change. Joanne makes decisions from a place of peace, clarity, authenticity, and intentionality. Over the years, Joanne has trained hundreds of aspiring leaders in curriculum and supervision as an adjunct instructor in the Summer Principal Academy at Teachers College, Columbia University. She has presented at conferences such as the New York State Board Association, the International Alliance for Invitational Education, the Nassau County Special Education Association, and others. She has also conducted training workshops for administrators and teachers on long-term planning, data analysis, social-emotional learning, and organizational sustainability. She has presented to members of Congress on practical life skills and tools to effectively combat trauma and stress suffered by students. Joanne believes in creating joyful schools that nurture the heart as well as the brain. Teaching students the mechanisms to manage their social-emotional well-being is the gateway to academic excellence and life success. Joanne currently serves as the Vice Chair of the Sacred Heart Catholic Academy Board of Directors. She received a BA in English from the State University of New York in Albany, a Master's in the Arts of Teaching in English Education from Union College, and a Master's Degree in Educational Leadership from the Summer Principals Academy, Teachers College, Columbia University. Joanne has worked as an English and literacy teacher in grades 6 through 12, a teacher coach and mentor, curriculum director of ELA, reading and social studies, and as an elementary and middle school principal. So welcome, Joanne Legande. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming to our school. Oh, I'm excited. So can you share with us a little bit about your leadership journey? My leadership journey started as a teacher because I think that everyone is a leader. You get to lead your own life 
and you get to lead others by your behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so I've always believed that that was an important role for me. So now I play the leadership role of principal Mm -hmm. in a building with about 1,200 people, staff and students as well. And it's just been an amazing journey to come to this place where I have direct influence and impact on so many lives. It's really been an amazing journey for me. Did you always want to be a teacher? I always wanted to be a teacher. I remember when I was a child, I grew up in Haiti. I came to America when I was nine years old. And I remember being in Haiti and just playing school and playing teacher with people on my block and with Telling them what to do. Telling them what to do. (laughs) Sit here, do this. Mm -hmm. And I just always saw myself that way. Whatever I learned in school, I used to come home and show it off on the blackboard. My grandmother had a blackboard. And so that's always been something that I've always wanted to do. And then on my journey as a teacher, I used to teach in Brooklyn, New York. And I said, you know, what about becoming a principal? Because Mm -hmm. I felt that becoming a principal would have even a greater impact. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that the best impact happens with teachers in the classroom, developing relationships with students on a daily basis. And so it's been really an interesting journey Mm -hmm. to be in this position and missing the classroom a little bit and trying to develop relationships and developing relationships with students on a daily basis. So it's different, but similar all at the same time. So you're currently a principal at? I am currently a principal at John W. Dodd Middle School in Freeport, New York. Yay, props for Freeport. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Go Red Devils. (laughs) So Joanne, how would you describe your leadership style? That's really an interesting question. My leadership style would be compassionate leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use the word compassion because that's a way to connect with other people, to be able to really see them. So in a way, anyone whom I encounter, I would like them to know that I see them. Mm -hmm. I see them and I hear them. And so for me, that's really important to be a compassionate leader, to be someone who can connect with others, even in difficult situations, because even the villain needs someone to make him or her realize, hey, I'm a villain. Um, I need to do better. And so compassionate leadership is... So I love that. Why is it important for a leader to connect? It's impossible to lead without connection. It's impossible to lead and make the greatest impact without connection, right? Leadership is impact. Leadership is everything. And John Maxwell said, everything starts and stops with the leader. That's where Mm -hmm. everything happens. Mm -hmm. And my personal motto is be the change you wish to see in the world. And so that's what I live by. And with that, we can make a lot of changes in the world, Mm -hmm. making connections. If I am the change I'd like to see in the world, so I imagine this world that is amazing, Mm -hmm. right? In which love exists, in which joy exists, in which peace is everlasting. And so if I imagine that world, I must possess these qualities myself. And that's how I'm able to connect with others, to be able to have empathy, to be able to help people see beyond their limited environments, Mm -hmm. their limited situations, so that they can have hope. And Mm -hmm. so for me, when I think about the leadership journey, and I think about just a leader's ability to connect is crucial to taking people from one place to the next. See, leading is a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to take people from one place to the next. If you're leading and no one's moving. You're taking a walk. (laughs) We're not going anywhere. We're standing still. You know, there's stagnation. It's so crucial that 
a leader has a vision and a leader is able to connect and bring people along in different ways. That's the only way people from different backgrounds, from different faiths will follow That's right. because you connect to their hearts. So you mentioned John Maxwell. How did you connect with John Maxwell? I have been connecting with John Maxwell through his books for years. And this year, I'm actually going to the training in August. So I'm so excited to really focus on leadership, to hone my own leadership skills. Mm -hmm. Because if I hone my skills, then I really own it and I'm able to share it with others. And that's really what it's really about. And creating leaders from birth, developing these leadership skills in our students and our young people is so crucial for us to be able to do that. And I can only pour into a cup if my cup is full, right. if I have something to pour. Awesome. Now, you did mention some quotes. Were they the quotes that speak to you about leadership or Absolutely. are there other ones? The one quote that speaks to me most about leadership is Gandhi's quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. And for me, I had to define that change because it talks about ownership. It talks about responsibility. And so if I'm the change I wish to see in the world, I will have that impact. And the moment I begin to own this change that I'm talking about, then I feel responsible for it. And I feel responsible for myself and for the others around me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I mentioned Gandhi. Mm -hmm. I mentioned John Maxwell. I'm inspired by leaders who lead from the heart to elevate the minds, not only their own, but those of others. Because leadership, people always think that it's an intellectual process. That's only part of it. The other part is activating the heart, this idea of connection, this idea of greater good. We're doing this for the greater good. Not for myself. I'm a leader not because I have the title of principal. I'm a leader because I have a vision. I have somewhere to go with a group of people who are committed to the same thing that I am committed to. And so I'm really inspired by leaders who see beyond the horizon. Like, I want to shoot over there. I am a dreamer. I'm going to dream big and we're going to work hard towards it. People who are inspirational, who inspire greatness in others. And that can only happen if you're connected with them. So I'm inspired as I sit here listening yeah. to you. Your eyes are sparkling. And I love what you said. Leaders who activate the heart. That's intentional. And that takes vulnerability, doesn't it? Absolutely. And for a leader to activate the heart, and what does that mean? That means I'm able to show feeling but I'm also able to show self-regulation mm. and self-management. So in order to lead others, I must lead myself. And so I must know where I'm leading and what I'm doing, right? That's crucial. And on some levels, we've lost some of that. I see when I think about the society, it saddens me to think that we don't create a vision for ourselves first. And that's what we do with our students. Here at Dodd, you know, our motto is be kind, work hard, dream big. And the very first one is be kind. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others because that's where it all begins. Be, be kind, simple, you know. Um, so if I'm kind, I will be very mindful of my words. I will be intentional with my words. You'll lead yourself well. I will lead myself well. That's right. Absolutely. What I eat will matter. What I don't eat will matter. So <laughs> what, that you know, so that leche that I bought. Oh, I'll be enjoying that okay. later. <laughs> Don't worry about that. But, you know, the decisions, everything that I do will matter because I'm kind to myself. And I know how to do that for me. And so I will also do that for others. Being kind to yourself, loving yourself matters, loving yourself that it matters. starts with that. But also you speak about activating the heart. You speak about loving yourself, being kind. And it means that we need to get to know ourselves, too. Sometimes that takes work. A leader needs to reflect. A leader needs the time to be alone with him or herself. So I say if you can't spend 10 minutes alone with you and you expect people to spend hours with you wow what a journey right so making sure that when I look in the mirror 
I like who I see. I can speak to her and get her on the right track if I'm off the wrong track and forgive me if I've hurt anyone, if I've done anything that has upset anyone and to forgive myself and say, okay, today's a new day. Every day is a wonderful day. Every day is my birthday. And it's a wonderful way to be able to live. So if I address life or if I look at life that way through those eyes of the glasses full, and my glass is always full because I always want to pour into others. And so if I make sure that my glass is all filled up, and the only way to do that is through self-care and self-love and taking that time to meditate, taking that time to care for me, making sure that I am eating nutritious meals, making sure that I'm getting my exercise in, making sure that I'm taking the 20 minutes in the morning to just be with me and take the time to have goals for my day. If I'm able to do that, then I can be 100% for someone else. And it's so important to be 100% authentic and just Mm -hmm. 100% present. Presence of a leader is the most important thing. And I think that's the one thing that is not recognized for leaders. When a leader walks into a room, you you should know. You should know. Without the leader uttering a word, you should know. There should be a presence. And it's not an arrogance. It's just this thing that you say, oh, there's something about her. There's something about him. There's a light that Mm -hmm. comes in the room, the light that shines so brightly that others will want to know what you know. They want to share in your experience. They want to connect with you and others will want to be led by you. And to be able to get that, it takes a lot of personal development and self-development as well. That's important to know yourself first. And you also, I mean, you did a middle school, and that's a tough age. I love it. Yeah, I, and I can tell you do. You're smiling. Your kids love you. I yes. see. And this is my first time here. But you mentioned teaching them leadership skills. How do you do that, or what's the plan for that, and why is that important? That is critical, especially in the middle school, because in the middle school years, we have students from, I would say, 11 to 14. And so that's the time that the brain is developing itself, these adolescent ages, in which students are trying to find out who they are. And so we help them discover who they are. More importantly, who would you like to be? What are the qualities of a leader? What are the qualities that you would like to possess? And for them to begin to be the change that they wish to see in the world is by cultivating these qualities. And so we tell students, what are some qualities that you don't like about yourself? Okay, I'm impatient. Well, what's the opposite of impatience? Patient. So cultivate patience. Quick. (laughs) Exactly. And you see I chose patience because that's my own personal quality that I work on. And what you pay attention to, what you put your energy on, what you water will grow. And so we teach them that it's a natural law. You plant it, if you water it, it's going to grow. Right. Negative or positive, it doesn't matter. What matters is your choice of choosing the positive and choosing the negative. And that awareness completely shifts and it empowers students. I mean, I have middle school students, you know, say, oh, Miss Lagande, take a breath. (laughs) Uh, I did my breathing or I, you know, I'm using my breathing techniques to be able Mm -hmm. to be better. They've found the power within. And you teach a child or a student leadership skills, that's useful for the rest of their lives. And it also addresses issues that come up that are serious, like bullying and suicide. So speak to that a little because teaching leadership skills can impact that outcome. So the first thing we do, again, first you must lead yourself. And that's where it starts. If you're unable to lead the person that is you, how can you lead others? And so how do you lead yourself? And that's why we have that model, be kind. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. How are you taking care of yourself? Who would you like to be? Who are you dreaming to be? What are your goals? What are the things that you need to develop? for you to be the very best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. What are these qualities? Once students have identified these qualities, 
for themselves, they're reminded of it. And we always go back, were you being kind? Were you working hard? You know, what are the qualities that you'd like to develop? And they do that for each other. And so, so they, they connect are empowered. with each other they as well. They connect with each other as well. Awesome. And they feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And part of that, at any age certainly, but in a middle school, is once you give teenagers or preteen power, there is a sense of ownership and responsibility that happens. And so I have students who have taken ownership and they started planting. They planted peas this morning with their teacher because they wanted a vegetable garden in the back of the building. And so they start coming up with these ideas of what it is that they'd like to accomplish to make their school better, to make their lives better. Hey, Ms. Lagande, what do you think about this? And that's part of being a leader. Mm-hmm. It's not only going to be beneficial for me, but it's going to be beneficial for them. I love how they ask the questions. They're learning already to ask They're the questions. They're learning. <laughs> They're asking questions, right? Part of leadership is yeah. good leaders ask great questions, That's right. as John Maxwell said. Well, what's the right. best advice you ever received? One is be patient with yourself. Change takes time. But for me, there's always a sense of urgency. And so... (laughs) I can relate to that. Process to me, sometimes it's hard Yeah, to wait. (laughs) Exactly. But change takes time. And recently, I think the best advice I received was to say, balance is a dance. Mm. Just keep dancing. So that was really important for me because when you give 100% to everything, you're going to drop balls something is going to fall through the cracks. And so to be able to take care of yourself, take care of your family, I have a family, and then I have my big family here at school that I so cherish and I love. So I have to constantly dance. I constantly try to balance my priorities, balance my responsibilities without anything suffering. And so that's why prioritizing is so important. So part of balancing is not doing everything. Part of balancing is saying everything cannot go on this plate. I know it's Thanksgiving dinner, but you have one plate and you have to be very careful of what you put on that plate. So making those choices. Right. Like I think about what you said, balance is a dance. And so you need to keep dancing. And I love to dance. That really speaks to me. So you're the principal here. And so how do you help your leaders to dance? empowering them to dance and recognizing that we're all dancers. Some of us balance things better than others, but really to prioritize. Part of leadership is understanding what is important. Is it critical to the mission? If it's not critical to the mission, where do you place it? If it's critical to the mission, critical to what we're trying to accomplish here, then that's what takes priority. And for us, that's our students, right? So that's always number one. It doesn't matter what the decisions are that we have to make and what we have to do. Is it critical to the mission of ensuring that each student is successful? And so we're at the end of a Friday before vacation. And I happened to notice that one of your assistant principals called in and you were like, wait, they're supposed to be on vacation. And I love how you care so much that they enjoy what they're doing. And so I want to tell you that that was pretty cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you were like, where thank are you? you? You're supposed to be on That's vacation. Right. Why are like, you calling in? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and part of that is presence. Wherever you are, be there and be there 100% because the people you are with matter and they should be your top priority and your only priority in that mm-hmm. in that moment, in that space, unless there's an emergency, emergencies right, right. happen. But they don't happen as often as we think they do. You know, at times it's just a matter of a distraction. And so... I emphasize self-care as much as I emphasize excellence at work. When you are here, you're giving me 100%. So as far as a team, how many on your team? 
We have an amazing team. We have two assistant principals here mm -hmm. at Dodd. We have over a hundred teachers. We have close to a thousand students. It really is an amazing team. Everyone feels honored and valued. It's so important to ensure that everyone in the building feels valued. We just celebrated PTA Founders Day and one of the people who was nominated and honored on that evening is one of our wonderful custodians. And one of the things she said that still resonate with me and it just completely touched my heart in such a way. She said, I love cleaning and keeping the kids safe. I can do bigger things, but doing this small thing makes me happy. It keeps the kids safe. And keep the kids safe. She values them. She values them. And she says, I clean and I sweep, but that's to keep everyone clean and safe, right? And for me, who else is more important than someone who cleans and keeps our kids safe? So it's really a family here. Mm -hmm. Everyone matters. Every person in this building matters. Every adult, every child, every parent, everyone who walks into this building has a stake in it. Everyone is important. Right. And I love the inviting atmosphere that you've created here. Oh, well, thank you. Did you know that our school actually won the Inviting School Award? Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's great. Woo! Well, you walk the talk. That's awesome. And so, you know, speaking of your team, what does it mean to have a good team and how do you build one or sustain one? So there are two ways of looking at it, right? There is the transformational aspect of it, transformational leadership, transformational skills that are more of the emotional intelligence, taking care of people, making sure that needs are met, making sure that everyone is valued. Mm -hmm. Equally important is this transactional aspect of it, is the actual structure of the team. So the whole building is teamed. We have grade level teams, we have department teams, we have an administrative team. I mean, everyone is teamed. We have the guidance team. And so what are the structures and protocols that are necessary for success and excellence? And that's key, excellence. Mm -hmm. Excellent service in everything that we do. And so those are defined. We identify the specific protocols and structures. And so our building is not organized by personalities. It's organized by structures and protocols and valuing everyone's personality and moving forward in the same vision. Mm -hmm. Again, whatever is critical to our mission, what's the most important thing? Our students. And so looking at those two aspects and bringing them together, and that's how you build a team. You can't ignore one. Without process, you'll have failure. It doesn't matter how transformational you are, right? So you need both. You need structures and protocols in place to ensure that the team has all of these um, transformational skills, all of these values that are being added, that our team is efficient, that our team is effective, you know, all of our teams. But then there's an inspiration that's needed. There's this hope for the future. There's this joy. Mm -hmm. Why else are we working so hard if it's not going to be better tomorrow, right? right? right. So it's, that's the transformational aspect of it. What are your needs? What are the students' needs? What are the parents' needs? So that we can meet those needs efficiently and effectively and again with excellence. So I, I want to kind of push okay. back here a little bit because I know that some of us are thinking, how does that happen? Like, how do you pull all those people together to kind of look at excellence? Does everyone have a say in that list of what makes excellence? We actually did. Four years ago, we had a structure. We used the invitational educational approach. We got everyone involved. We used the five Ps to help our building improve and do better. And the five Ps are programs, places, processes, policies, and people. And people, first and last, of everything that we do, we do it for our people. Who are our people? Everyone who's associated with that middle school. And so we had an anchor. 
and we had a process in which to accomplish these great goals. So everyone actually did have an opportunity. We surveyed the building, we surveyed parents, we surveyed staff, and we surveyed even community members just to be able to get feedback from them. How are we doing? What do we need to do better? And um, and it's invitational, invitational, invitational education. education, right? And so we use that process to improve our programs, our policies, our processes, ourselves as people. Who do we need to be to create this ideal environment, right? right? What are the things that we need to put in place to ensure that we're aligned to our mission, we're aligned to the vision, and we can't do this work without the support of central administration. So we are very fortunate here to have amazing support from our central administrators and our superintendent of schools who truly believes in social emotional learning and truly believes in really finding the leadership and developing the leadership skills in our students. And we've been able to really change lives as other schools are doing all around the world. I read a little bit about invitational education mm-hmm. some years ago, and it just spoke to my heart. And it's like, this is what education should yeah. be. This is when we walk into a place, it should right. just radiate. Come, come see what we're learning. Right. Join us. And it comes from the people. Yeah. And so everyone matters. Security guards receive training. Everyone receives training on connecting with them and how to be inviting and how to be welcoming and how do we answer the phone and everything that we do. There's a clear process. There's a clear structure. And so our students too, you'll see our students say good afternoon. Good morning. Hi, Ms. Lagani. How are you? I mean, you were here, so you know, may I please use the phone and just developing a culture of respect, a culture of love, a culture in which everyone feels valued and everyone is important, that no job is more important than the other. Well, you're living that, I have to tell you. (laughs) So can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? I've given a lot of thought to this question. I think my biggest challenge has been finding the balance. That dance you talked about? It always goes back to the dance for me because I absolutely love my job. I love my kids. (laughs) I love being a principal. I also love my family. Mm -hmm. And at times this job can be all consuming. And so there are times that I'm at work until 10 p.m. Now, do you have children? I do have children. That's I have tough. four children. That's so, tough, and yeah. right, and I have a five year old and a three year old, a 16 year old, and wow. a 23 year old. So, it's, are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, you look like and a baby. So, I, well, thank you. So, I do have children, and I think that's a challenge that will always be there because we make sacrifices. I don't think people realize that leaders make great sacrifices for others. We make sacrifices to be here as much as we are to be completely and fully committed. And those sacrifices are sacrifices that we're happy making. And there are times that we have to come back to center to say, okay, are you giving too much on this end and not giving enough on the other end? And so family is your first ministry. And I regard my Dodd family as my family as well. So am I giving enough to this family? Am I giving enough to my own family at home? And it's a dance that we dance. It's a challenging dance. It's a fun dance. I was talking to my daughter and, and her friends and, and a group of Girl Scout leaders. And I said to them, you know, is this a problem or an adventure? So when you look at situations in life, is it a challenge? Is it a problem or an adventure? When you see it as an adventure, it's so much more fun. It's so much more, oh, wait, yes, I'm, I'm ready to tackle this. There's creativity. Creativity comes out when you think of something, an adventure, right? It's an investigation. I'd like to see how how I'd like to solve this. So for me, these challenges are really opportunities to be creative, opportunities to do better, opportunities to find out, hmm, I wonder, can mm-hmm. I do this? 
-hmm. I wonder how can we solve this? I'm sure we can solve it. Mm -hmm. Those are like my famous words. Yes, I'm sure. Let's try it. I'm sure. <laughs> how are you sure? I don't know, but <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. With enough creativity. That's right. So this thing about balance, I guess I'm really looking at it because so many of us struggle with it. I understand what it is to love your job, but who speaks into your life? Because sometimes we don't see, right? So you love what you're doing and you're in it, but do you have people speaking into your life to help you with the balance? Because I've asked this question often and the responses that really seem to be the most effective have been people who say, well, my wife or my husband helps me to, and not in a bad way, but, you know, speaks into my life to say, hey, pull back here a little bit or, you know. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when you said that, um, Lily, a vivid memory just really came forth for me. It was a few years ago. I was leading an elementary school in Valley Stream and I had about 898 students. And I remember that number because my daughter asked me to do something with her. And I don't know, I must have been repeating, I have 898 students so many times. Like I have 898 students. She goes, yes, I know. You have 898 students. What about this one? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> and you know, and she was much younger. Now she's 16 and she was much younger then. And for her to say that to me, it really broke a little piece of my heart. It really just hit me really hard. And that's when the idea of balance and not just the idea of it, the reality of it. So I wasn't really doing a great job. So I was failing at something. I was dropping a ball, but a ball that was important to me. Right. And so that's why it's so important. When we talked about this plate, right, this kind of like dinner plate, this mm -hmm. ideal plate, or this, the balls or the rocks or whatever is important to you, make sure that the, those go in first. So that really woke me up to this idea of, oh, I better be dancing. Mm -hmm. Because if I stop dancing, something that is important to me will fall through the cracks. And I don't want that. I want to have control over what goes on my plate. Mm -hmm. I'd like that to be intentional. You know, I'd like those important things to be chosen, and I'd like the people in my life to know that they've been chosen. Right. I have a lot going on, but you're so important to me that I'm going to take the time. When I'm with you, I'm with you completely mm -hmm. and wholly. And that's what completely shifted my idea of balance. Mm -hmm. Because before it was theoretical. Like, I thought I was doing a great job <laughs> until, your kid tells until you. my kid tells me, uh, not quite, Mama. You're not there. You're that's not very sobering, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? Whenever I'm asked about like major successes, major challenges, I don't really view the world in that way. I really do try to celebrate every moment. I believe you. I mean, there have been, I believe some, you. <laughs> there have been definitely some proud moments for me in which I can think of students returning, coming back and, and letting me know how much you know their lives have been changed and and they'd like to come back to dog. That's powerful. Or, right? That's, for me, that's powerful. Um, I can't think of any one particular moment. And I've given that thought. It's not as if I, I have it. And I don't know if maybe I'm intentionally blocking me from doing that because that means that the other moments weren't valuable or um, as valuable. But you just know. said something that was very successful, right? The kids right. returning, not only that, it's shaped your life because when they return, it's... It's validation. <laughs> and it's, it absolutely is validation, but also yeah. the fact that it's shaped their lives as well when they yes. come back and say, I want to I want to be here, I want to see wanna you, you know here. what I mean? Yeah. So yes, thank you for responding to that question. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you tell a leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? If you're discouraged about your environment, it's time to close the door 
and have a conversation with you. Literally, like mm -hmm. have that moment and ask yourself several questions. What am I really upset about? Or what is really concerning to me? What are the behaviors that contribute to this climate? What are my behaviors that are contributing to this climate? What are the words that are contributing to this climate? And once you've asked yourself these really powerful questions, then you have to ask yourself another set of questions. What is the climate that I would like to be in? What are the behaviors that I need to exhibit to penetrate this climate? What are the words that are going to best influence this climate and create this climate? And once you've done this work with yourself, then what are the processes that need to be in place to best influence and also inspire others to walk on this journey with you. It's really about inspiration. Leadership is about inspiring people to be motivated themselves. See, I can't motivate you to do what I want you to do, but I can inspire you. I can inspire you with a vision. I can inspire you because you see value in what it is that I'm sharing with you. And so with leaders who are discouraged from where they are, first, you have to be the change. Define the change. What is the change that you're looking for? Sometimes it's not clear. So lack of clarity really messes things up for us. So it's really important to be very, very clear on what's that change? What is it that I'd like to see? And see if you're modeling those behaviors and those words yourself. And then now make the process clear of how do I get other people to share in this vision of perfect imperfection? You know, this vision of joy, love, peace, excellence, success, and create a path, not alone. I can't create a path without you by my side. So I'm listening to you and you have a lot of questions. Like the way you address this person who's discouraged was with a lot of questions, which to me is a coach. It's a leadership coach and you can't be a leader unless you know how to coach. And I strongly believe that. And that's a specific skill Absolutely. that you seem really good at because <laughs> I'm inspired just listening to you and just reflecting on those questions. So would you recommend that someone who's in leadership get a coach? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had coaches throughout my own life, in my own career. I've had mentors, those people who will ask you the hard questions that you may not want to hear. You know, not to give you advice, because I can give you advice, you don't have to take it. But if you give yourself advice, you'll take it. Mm -hmm. How do you walk the talk? You have to define your talk to be able to walk it. Mm -hmm. And a coach helps you to do that. And I mean, I read a lot of books and I know other leaders do too, where you're doing the self-investigation. And sometimes you need someone else to tell you what your blind spot is. Yeah, I think that's necessary, <laughs> period. I mean, you get good at self-reflection. Yes. However, I still will call and ask advice or at least, listen, this is going on. And I have yes. coaches speaking into my life. So. I think that's incredibly important. So I'm listening to you and all the wonderful questions that you ask. I can't help but reflect on those things. So thank you. It's great to have, and that's why masterminds work, and that's why getting together with a group of people, and I know administrators, we need to do more of that. Yeah. But time and the balance, the dance again that we go back to, how do we create a space in which we can ask each other these questions in a non-judgmental way with great awareness and because we all have different strengths to be able to really build on each other's strengths as well. You need that person. You need someone. Yeah. <laughs> someone in your life who's going That's to tell you the honest truth and question you enough times that you can actually get to the root of the matter. That's great. So many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Well, right now I'm actually reading The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. I'm always reading something because life is a journey and life is learning. I can't imagine living without learning something. 
right now I'm learning about you. As you're learning about me. We're growing and talking together about leadership, about the process of the podcast. I mean, look at all of your amazing tools. I was amazed. I was like, wait a minute. How, this I was very concerned. That's right. I was concerned. I was like, wait a minute. How is she going to do a podcast? Is this going to be her cell phone? But no, you really have a very good setup. And I learned well, about thank you. this. So if we look at life as an investigation, as an adventure, you can't help but to learn. Every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. And so for me, that's what it really means. Holding back judgment. Judgment gets that. in the way of learning. Hold it back. We don't need it. We don't need it. And that's it. a discipline. It takes and a that's practice a discipline. to do that. It's a practice to say, okay, I'm making a judgment here. Let me ask myself another question. Don't make a judgment about a judgment because then you'll just get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be spinning. You'll be spinning, right? So it's really asking yourself, again, going back to the questions, coaching yourself and allowing yourself to be coached by others mm -hmm. also to say, what can I learn from this? What's in it? What's fun in this? What enjoyment? I don't ask myself, why am I going through this? Because for me, it's almost like a, a victim mentality. If I pose it just in a different way, what is the purpose of this in my life? What is in it for me? Something is in it for me to learn. Mm -hmm. It automatically puts me into power. And so we teach our kids that too, to ask, well, what is it that you can learn? What can you take responsibility for? I love that. And what can you learn from this situation? Mm -hmm. So two questions, if we ask ourselves the first question repeatedly, there will always be an opportunity to take responsibility. With responsibility comes power. It's like Spider-Man. Spider-Man, that's right. Great power comes great responsibility, right, but right. I flipped it. But to think about, if I'm taking responsibility for something, first of all, that means I'm responsible for it, right? Ownership. That means I can do something about it. That means I can change it if I want. And so just shifting the thinking just a bit and asking just a slightly different question completely changes the outcome of everything. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. and everything that he has done. I believe, it's only my belief, that mm -hmm. he must have asked himself the question, what can I take responsibility for? And look what happened, look where we are. And so it's important to ask ourselves that question, like what can I take responsibility for? And all of the great leaders whom I admire, Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, all of these great leaders, I believe, have asked themselves this question of, how can I make this world a better place in order to make it better I'm not depending on others. John F. Kennedy said it best. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's another way of saying the same thing. Being the change that you wish to see in this world. Take responsibility awesome. for your life yeah. and for others. Yeah. yeah. What can I take responsibility for? How can I be the change? Those are great questions to ask yourself. So you mentioned Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. Is there anything else that you're reading that our listeners should read? Becoming an Invitational Leader mm has -hmm. been like my favorite book. It's by William Perky and Betty Siegel. This is my absolute favorite leadership book. And I've read it repeatedly. And every now and again, I just open up the book, you know, to a chapter and read a chapter because it gives me clarity on my philosophy of education, my leadership style, and what I'm able to do to be this change that I talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love for this to happen. I'd love for that to happen. Well, how can you do it? It's really empowering. And so this is one of the gems. So you keep several copies. I, I do. Two copies there on your I shelf. Do. I do. I've given this Maybe book out. Maybe I'll borrow out. one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've given this book out to new leaders, to veteran leaders, to leaders, period. It definitely added great value oh, to me. Awesome. I love when that happens. Yeah. All right. So you touched on this a little bit, but what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have? I must wake up an hour before everybody else in my household. And so what time is that? That for me, ideally it's 4.30, the latest what? 5 o'clock. 
what? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I interviewed a major in the Marines, mm -hmm. and she's the only other one that said I get up at 4.30. So you're up there with her. 4.30. It's the sublime time. It's peaceful. Everything is quiet. I have a very clear morning routine. I get up. I meditate and it depends. Sometimes it's, you know, meditate, do some stretching, do some yoga. It can take up to 40 minutes. And then I shower mm -hmm. and then I cook breakfast. Sometimes I cook dinner before I leave the house. Wow. That's a really good day mm -hmm. <laughs> when I wake up at 4.30 and get everybody out of my house, you know, to go to their respective places. And that's important to me to wake up, meditate, pray and set my goals. I do that the night before as well. So when I wake up in the morning, I normally look at, okay, what do I have? So what time do, do you typically go to bed? Oh, Lily. No, you know why? Because we need sleep. And sometimes we don't really look at how important sleep is. So, so come on, confess. What time you get to bed? Oh boy. Okay. Ideally 10 o'clock, the latest. That's ideal. Um, and that's really not enough sleep because I figured out like to be able to really function, I need at least six hours, six and a half hours of sleep for me to like really be joyful Joanne. Unfortunately, at times, because of how late I get home, most nights I'm probably up until midnight or past mm -hmm. midnight, which doesn't happen as often now because I'm also disciplining myself to go to bed right. yeah. at least before midnight. That's really important because there's no way I can go to bed at midnight and wake up at 4.30 and do all of the things that I need to do in my day and really work 16 hours a day. That's really a long day. And so that goes back to the whole self-care thing that we were talking about right. before. And you picked right up on that. Well, because Coach it's, Lily. well, no, you know what happens is you know? that I used to think sleep was a waste of time <laughs> until, and oh I'm very God. serious about this, I shut down, my body shut down. And so because I've experienced that, that's mm. so much on my heart and mind. When I see someone who's so energetic and so wonderful and so important. So I did a podcast with Brian Paul Buckley on energy and how to maximize your energy and really take care of yourself. And it includes sleep, Joanne. Yes. It does. Yes. Because we can get to this point where we burn out. And I hope my husband doesn't listen to this podcast. He so, says the same so he thing. Will, he will. <laughs> but it's important because what you do is important. Mm -hmm. And so even to our listeners who are thinking that they can keep going on this high energy intensity level it'll work but then when you mm -hmm. shut down it'll really be devastating and so I mean I, I love oh, what you're doing you. and I love your energy but I did have to ask about the sleep because it plagues <laughs> not just you I know a bunch of us you made me stutter anyway no, that was my right. little soapbox and yes. I get to do that yes you do you do you do so I love that routine that you have. It just shows how important your responsibilities are to you because you have to set your mind. And I thank you for sharing that because some of us need that kind of framework. So Joanne, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? It's not all going to happen overnight. You know? Unless you're just, sleeping. Unless I'm sleeping. <laughs> That's right. You need to go to sleep. You need to go to sleep. So the younger me, I've always been urgent. Not everything is urgent. Prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. And that goes back to the balance. You know, the younger me, at times, didn't go through the process. I didn't allow the natural law of things to apply because I want to make it better now. Change needs to happen now. And then with that, whether it be students you're leading, your family, or others behind you, you look behind you, there's no one there. There's no one next to you because 
they have to go through their own processes too. Mm-hmm. So honor everyone's process. Well, and it's important to recognize it. And at times you need to leave them and mm-hmm. go back for them, check up on them. But we have to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it goes back to the patience. It goes back to, and I'm still developing it. Mm-hmm. I'd still give that advice to me right now. Being patient and forgiving others, forgiving oneself. I think guilt is the most useless emotion that anyone can have. It takes all your power away from you. Why feel guilty about anything? It's just to accept it and let it go. We make mistakes. That's right. You blew it. Everybody, that's right. You blew it. Okay, you blew it. It's done though. It's the past. Enjoy the present moment while keeping an eye on this hope for the future. Mm -hmm. So it's not planning the future as much as being hopeful for the future. Like having this joy, this hope that tomorrow will be even brighter than today, even though today is quite bright. There is a sense of urgency that's needed because to change kids' lives, that's urgent. That's now. How do we balance that with, okay, there's a process. And now I'm not talking about politics and protocol. I'm talking about the natural process of development, mm-hmm. of how people work. You know, mm-hmm. how do we honor that? That families can't be fixed all in one day. As you can see, I'm probably still struggling with that now, right? Well, I think we. I, yeah, I mean, I, you're, you're speaking my language because right? I used to right. make decisions very quickly, <laughs> but I learned to really love the process because things will fall into place if you do the work, take the responsibility. That's all you can do. Yeah. And trust that there is a natural universal law, a universal process that takes care of everyone. It's interesting because I was sharing with a colleague yesterday. She was changing jobs and thinking about going into administration. And of course, I empower and I say, yes, we need one more, you know, amazing (laughs) female leader who's going to definitely conquer the world. And we're talking about exactly that. How do you know that I'm going to be okay? Well, you have to believe you're going to be okay. So if I believe that regardless of what happens, that I'm going to be okay, that I'm going to be taken care of, that the world loves me. So when I approach the world, everyone's going to love me, you know, because I love everyone. I'm giving off love. Mm -hmm. And there's that level of trust that comes in with that. And so when I approach people, even if you don't trust me, I trust you. I'm trusting and I become trustworthy. And so I earn your trust Mm -hmm. with my trust to be able to have conversations with parents, to be able to overcome challenges. You have to trust Mm -hmm. the process. Trust that all will be well. And that's pretty powerful because trust is the foundation of leadership. Um, So is there anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to share with our listeners? Or did we hit it? I think you did. did I think you did a great job. We did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. It's really been just a joy talking with you and one of the things I think I'd like to say is joy in schools like we do what we do sometimes we lose touch of why we do what we do Mm. right and that's like the joyful nature of learning when I learn something new I am so excited I can't wait to ask you about the mics and everything you've got here so it's the joy of learning and for me if I keep that at the forefront of it the joy of learning for our kids the joy of learning itself then everything becomes a journey and everything becomes an adventure Um, and for us to keep that in mind as we cultivate students brains or minds and cultivate their hearts activate their heart and that's an intentional word to activate it to bring them to the awareness of there's a heart in here and it beats and it beats for a reason and you don't need to be fearful that's right. right and you can choose the emotions that you have happiness is as close to the heart as sadness is it's mm-hmm. just a matter of making that choice 
to be able to inhabit them. So giving them the choice positive and negative. And that's the ultimate purpose of school is learning. And so many of our kids are not learning because they're turned off. And their hearts are not activated. And their hearts are not activated. They're not connecting with others, with their peers or with their families or with the adults in the building. So creating a space in which you want to be in. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wow, it's been great, Joanne. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you, Lily. It was a joy. It's been great. Hello, leaders. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary in your professional and personal life. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.